Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 18. My name is Kyle Sondland. And I'm Herwick Konings. And this week, we've got an episode on European real estate because it's a real hot topic. There have been a couple of great pieces of news coming out of Europe in terms of real estate properties. And we want to talk about the viability of, of what these look like and, and how this is something to be excited about moving forward. But until we get into that, Herwig, I'd love for you to start us off with your company of the week. As we always do, we want to talk about last week's biggest movers in the space. In this this case, my company of the week is actually a company called Paxos Trust, which Paxos has been in the crypto space for a little while now, but they recently were in the news because they had received a no action letter for the SEC. Now, it's interesting because they didn't issue an ICO. They didn't do anything illegal or anything like that. In fact, it was them reaching out to the SEC in advance because... They, in fact, have been working on a settlement platform, specifically over the last two years in partnership with Credit Suisse and Societe Generale, which are two major, major banks. And with their support behind it, this is certainly a a very institutional product. And so they did it a very institutional way. They actually reached out to the SEC about six months ago, specifically requesting that they are approved a feasibility study to Uh, maintain and try the settlement platform that's based, of course, on the blockchain with these two banks and be allowed to do it without having to register as a clearing agency, which typically in order to function the, the settlement platform, Paxos Trust would need to be one. So in this case, the SEC has approved the study. They have granted Paxos the ability to go ahead and move forward with the platform. They have put some, some limitations in place, seven participants total. So we can expect no more than five more major banks to enter into the foray of the platform here. And presumably, if the platform is successful, Paxos will go on to register with the SEC as a clearing agency, of course, with a successful trial run to to boot to help them along with the the registration. So the reason, Kyle, and and our listeners here, I believe this is a major accomplishment because we now have, first of all, two major banks settling what are going to be U.S.-based equities on the blockchain with the SEC also getting reports and feedback and on the process and, and have transparency around the whole thing. So clearly they're showing themselves an open-mindedness towards the use of the technology and financial markets. And this platform, I think, is presenting the groundwork also for a potential security token-based settlement platform to evolve out of it. But no, no less we should you know, focus on the fact that they, this company has managed to get two major banks to start exploring leveraging settlement on the blockchain. So that's why Paxos is my company of the week. That's fascinating. The, the no action letter, that's certainly a strategy that I hadn't seen coming. That, that, that's great for the SEC that they were able to, to allow them to do this test. Congratulations to Paxos to be able to land, as you said, two huge banks on board as well. This is, this is great all around. So exciting to see what they're able to find and, and hopefully that test run goes well and, and, and justifies potentially you know, doing it, it for real and opening up their own, uh, 
their own broker dealer and, and going that way. For companies looking to test out financial technology platforms, look to this as a potential way to, to leverage getting into the market without necessarily having the right licensing in place. The SEC may just approve you. Kyle, who you got? Who did you pick this week? Well, we're sticking on the topic of big investment banks that are taking a look into digital assets and security tokens. While yours is in the U.S., mine is based out of Germany. And so this comes out of, of Germany with Deutsche Börse, which is a $30 billion investment bank. And they signed a deal to streamline digital securities transfers with a startup called Cashlink based out of Germany. And so Deutsche Bank is a, is a public bank on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. As I said, $30 billion market cap. It's a very large bank. And they have a very successful pipeline of assets and investors through what they call the Deutsche Börse Venture Network. And so this is a network of their investors, VCs, high net worth individuals that are actively investing in early stage startups and specifically targets that fintech sector. And so this network is one that they are looking to actually expose to digital securities as investment vehicles. And so Cashlink is looking to provide these, these, these services. And Cashlink, I think, is actually part of their incubator, their own internal incubator. And so now they're partnering with the, the overarching bank to provide their investors with, with these deals. And so the, the Deutsche Bank or the Deutsche Bourse rather venture network has raised over $3.8 billion in funding for their companies across over 100 fundraising rounds. I think it's 104 fundraising rounds total to date. So they're definitely generating capital for these companies. They have access to a great network of, of, of investors. And so they're primed to invest in security tokens. So it's very exciting to see that they're embracing the security token wave. We certainly have seen a lot of interest on the issuer side um, in terms of real estate and also in terms of debt products like Bitbond and, and many others. We've also seen Tokeny as an issuance platform receiving investment from Euronext Exchange. So to see that, that Deutsche Börse is also interested in exploring these possibilities of, of, uh, of security tokens and how they can be leveraged for companies is a fantastic move. So uh, Deutsche Börse is my company of the week and I'm excited to see what they're, they're going to be doing with Cashlink moving forward. Makes sense. Makes sense. A lot happening out of Germany. Uh, more importantly, we, we like to award the major institutions because they carry a lot of weight and influence. So I, I totally see it here. A $30 billion bank is no joke. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more news from that as we go. But with that, let's jump into the latest news from the industry. Specifically, uh, all of this is sourced from Security Token Market News. That's stomarket.com slash news. Or if you look through the description of wherever you're listening to, you can also find the articles that we discussed today as well. We're going to kick it off with Fundament Group, which partnered with the Tezos Foundation. Now, Fundament Group is based out of Berlin, another German company. And they were actually Kyle's company of the week previously and a couple episodes ago. And they actually received an investment from the Tezos Foundation, and they have now announced that they're working on a quote-unquote groundbreaking legal tech platform for tokenizing compliant financial products on the Tezos blockchain network. The Fundament Group is known for being the first Boffin-approved firm to issue tokens in Germany as well as the EU, which they also did uh, that Kyle just referenced in a historic 250 million euro real estate bond. They've also received investment in September from the Bowens Group, 
which reportedly also has roughly, I think, over $6 billion over, over that amount in real estate projects in their pipeline. Now, presumably, as a result of this, that will be issued on the Tezos blockchain, which is exciting stuff. We're seeing a lot of action from both Tezos as well as from the Fundament Group, and I think this is a great partnership. Yeah, congratulations again to the, the Fundament Group. It does seem like they're, they're catching a lot of news and, and doing a lot of awesome things with, with what they're working on, whether it's through clients or through these infrastructure plays. And as we've discussed before on the podcast, it is exciting to see that they're wasting no time in, in developing things that have already been built, right? They're trying to leverage a strong partnership network and really get these assets onboarded and through the process so that we can start to see the real use cases emerge for security tokens. So congratulations to Fundament. It's looking great. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have a couple more cool STO announcements in the near future. Moving on, here in the United States, we have one of the leading issuance platforms, Harbor, actually coming out to the news now also just after uh, about a week ago, I think, or two weeks ago, a few weeks ago, they were recently granted a broker-dealer license from FINRA. In fact, I gave them my company of the week as a result of that. And just now, they're also announcing that they've also been granted a transfer agent license by the SEC. So this is news also because Securitize, a little while back, also received this transfer agent license. We did a whole episode talking about the purpose of it, so definitely go listen to that if you want to learn more about its use. But ultimately, we wondered, you know, are other companies going to follow suit? Now Harbor, having both a broker-dealer and a transfer agent license, has shown the way. And I'm curious if other issues platforms are now also going to start kind of following down this trend. But ultimately, Harbor's goal is to become the one-stop shop for issuing tokenized products. In this sense, they want to have a transfer agent to help on behalf of dividends with clients as well as managing transfer securities. And in this case, that's very valuable because they are working with a lot of real estate companies. There's a lot of dividend and coupon payments that go through that. So naturally, this adds to the value on top of the fact that with their BD, they can also offer brokerage services and other services that most issuance platforms can't. So very interesting move. Congratulations to the Harbor team for getting that approval. Certainly makes them one of the, if not most regulated players in the space. And we'll see how that institutionalism helps them uh, win big big tokenization clients. I think that's the key, Herwig, with, with, with this and why it's exciting for uh, anyone in the industry is, is just that the security token space often would be viewed as you know, a startup. It's very nascent. It's still compared to crypto just as much as it's compared to the traditional financial industry, certainly. And so the best way to push for legitimacy, especially in the issuance space when you're working with very institutional investors and also with institutional clients looking to potentially tokenize hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of assets, the best way to prove legitimacy aside from just doing it for a really long time is to have the proper regulations and licenses that allow you to do the things that you are looking to do if it was to be done in the traditional sector. And so when you're looking about comparing options between a security token or a traditional financing round, if the security token option does provide all of the same services and has the exact same legitimacy and the same standard of compliance and diligence that traditional markets do, but on top of that, they also allow for the benefits of security tokens, that's where I think we're really going to start to see some interest. And you just need to take those steps, even if they're not 
necessary or, or, or they're not imperative to have all of those proper licenses and the diligence required and done, I think is very valuable for, for the space long term. So it's exciting. Couldn't agree more. And based on that comment, I think you're going to like this next piece of news. A new broker dealer has entered the digital security space, a company called Watchdog Capital, announcing their decentralized broker dealer platform for the digital and traditional securities market. Very exciting, of course, always to see another regulated player enter the space. Specifically, Watchdog Capital is actually owned by Chainstone Labs, which their CEO, Bruce Fenton, had the following to say. Many of the ideals from the Bitcoin industry can benefit the securities industry. Cyberpunks write code to protect consumers and their privacy and to give them more controls over their digital lives. This isn't at odds with the pro-free market ideals of the U.S. stock markets. In fact, it can be very complementary. Watchdog believes in cyberpunk values, privacy, personal property rights, Austrian economic security, and Bitcoin as a global money tool. The firm will work to push the limits of this technology as the digital securities ecosystem evolves. The press release also hints at a technology platform to help with this mission. So I'm sure we'll be looking out for new company updates from Watchdog, uh, probably releasing some kind of a security-based platform or marketplace. I'm very excited to see what they bring to market. But of course, congratulations to, to of course, getting a broker-dealer license in the first place. We're excited to see what you do with it. It's interesting. This is kind of the, the intersection of those crypto industries and the security token space. I know that Bruce Fenton is, is a long-standing Bitcoin proponent and has been a, a very good voice in that space for a long time. So I also know he has been interested in security tokens and what could evolve from this space since you know it was very early in, in the life cycle. And so it's good to see what, what he can bring to the table. Obviously, this is a, a different perspective than what we're seeing even from the Harbor Securitized examples who are definitely trying to position themselves as institutional financial products that are just leveraging new technology. Whereas, as we can see, certainly even from the quote alone, the Bruce Fenton is, is clearly saying that they're looking at taking this angle from the global blockchain Bitcoin perspective and that they're trying to, to open up markets and, and create you know, a more innovative capital transfer, which is great. It, does, uh, it, it is fantastic. It's a good way to, to, to bring in a new perspective. I think it is tough sometimes because of the legal compliance required by governing bodies, that, that the more cyberpunk you kind of push your solution, the less excited I think institutions are to take it, to take it you know, at face value. But, but I'm excited to see what he does because he's built a great brand in that space. So, so say what you will about the, his opinion, but he got the approval. He's been granted the, the broker-dealer, so he is in operation. Hopefully uh, he can grab those clients that I guess may be a little bit more open-minded to his, his values. But uh, I think it's great yeah. to see that they're coming into space. And awesome. We'll see, you know, of course, where they focus, too, what kind of assets that they do. Maybe they're crypto-related type vehicles. Maybe they're not. I'm excited to see. Speaking of all these crypto launches, there was an exchange a little while back out of Europe that sort of had a, a decentralized launch. And their focus was very interesting, very innovative. It was the DX exchange, which was known for tokenizing NASDAQ stocks so that it was easier to purchase them, essentially mirror tokens, if you will, of Amazon, Netflix, Tesla, and the like. And of course, the company soon found out that they were not properly regulated and soon had issues with the NASDAQ directly. 
about running their exchange and 10 months later now have shut down and are seeking a buyer to sell their technology to. Ultimately, they said that they the costs of providing the required level of security, support, and technology is not economically feasible on their own, the firm mates had, had said, but ultimately, uh, I, th- I think there's probably more to this than meets the eye. Definitely a, a tale, a lesson to learn here is that even though we're talking about financial innovation, rushing to market and kind of going for a genie out of the bottle approach doesn't really work. You have to do this the right way. You have to do it the regulated way. Uh, and I'm interested to see if this model does get reenacted in a, in a proper way. But uh, ultimately, it did not work out for the DM exchange. It's a shame. I hope that there's a buyer that uh, that's interested in picking it up and, and maintaining it. You certainly hate to see any player leave the space, whether it's due to running out of their runway or, or whether it's compliance issues. I, I, I'm not sure, but either way, you know, I hope for them the best. I hope that they don't need to shut this thing down and that we can, can find a way to resolve it. Moving on, we have an announcement from Black Manta Capital Partners, which also received my company of the week several episodes ago when they first were awarded a MIFID II license by the German regulators to allow and broker them and issue STOs. The company recently announced a partnership with Tokeny, one of the leading European issuance platforms, ultimately with the idea of the Black Manta focusing on developing their investor network and focusing on productization, while, of course, Tokeny provides the tokenization technology and solutions. If, uh, if you don't remember or aren't familiar with Black Manta, they actually aim to have operations as well in Malta as well as in Singapore with an overall mission to connect European and Asian markets. Clearly, they're making a lot of moves already having the licenses in Europe and now partnering with Tokeny to provide a full holistic solution to their clients and investors. We also have some news, some regulatory news out of Switzerland, specifically regarding STO taxation. Blockstate, which is an issuance platform which conducted an STO in Switzerland, uh, I I believe this year, didn't know if their STO would trigger profit or value-added tax or whether it would be treated as a traditional capital raise. The Swiss tax authority has since responded last week, clarifying that it will in fact be treated like a normal capital raise reaffirming and further defining that security tokens in the region are legal and protected and enforced. And there is even tax law that is now clear uh, about the about doing an STO, which is great not only to see such a friendly and active regulatory climate there, but again, very important for issuers to know what kind of taxation are they going to have. Is their security token legally going to be enforced and protected? So I think that's great news. And of course, very important for, for Block State, which actually was also in the news recently for partnering up with the Frankfurt School Blockchain Center and developing a global report on the, the digital securities ecosystem. And it was a very interesting report indeed. They identified a little over 200 industry players across infrastructure, issuance, secondary markets, banks, and the investors that invested in the infrastructure companies themselves. There's definitely a lot of rich information. It acts a little bit like a website where you can search through the various databases of information that they have on the various segments. But the report itself has also caused a flurry of articles now to report that Europe is ahead of the U.S. when it comes to tokenization markets. This is due to the fact that the report identifies 88 companies working in the space versus just 83 in the U.S. (laughs) Interestingly (laughs) enough, 
Germany did stand out as the leader with 10 issuance platforms claiming the region as their headquarters. I personally happen to know that there are a lot of U.S. players missing from this report, which doesn't surprise me, right, since this was developed out of Europe. So, of course, there's a bit more of a focus on that region. Additionally, it is a bit strange to me that you sort of include the investors as part of that, but it does make sense, I guess, to some extent. And it is very interesting to see which investors are actively backing companies in the space. And Europe is is definitely a very active and hotbed of financial technology innovation, specifically when it comes to the digital securities industry. However, it's worth pointing out, Kyle, that the report itself states that the U.S. is still leading in the STO space based on volume raised, number of STOs, and the number of issuance providers. Europe is closing in but still has a long way to catch up which kind of makes these sensationalist articles about Europe being ahead kind of a little funny. Nevertheless, it doesn't really matter who is ahead. I'm personally impressed and thrilled about the progress of the industry around the world. Reports like this are great, so I do want to give a shout out to Blockstate for continuing to report information about the ecosystem and be very, very transparent about it. So if you're interested in that report, of course, that's also available in the description. Yeah, it's an interesting distinction to make in terms of, of what what figure you might use to determine who's the leader in any industry, right? Because as you said, they mentioned that there were a few stats that the USA is leading in, maybe in specifically having companies working in the space by their metric, Germany is leading. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. The only thing that really matters is that these are all the same compliant securities tokens that can be traded around the world and it doesn't really matter which country takes the lead because everyone will be able to participate in a globalized market. I do note that the fact that there is liquidity or at least some liquidity in the U.S. markets because of the exchanges makes me inclined to say that the U.S. is the leader in security tokens because they're actually allowing investors from around the world to participate in the secondary transfer of these securities, which to me is the, is the most important piece that we're still lacking around the world. And so because of that, you know, that's just my perspective, but the reality is that as long as we're creating great assets around the world, that's the key piece. So good job for Blockstate for, for compiling this information. Uh, the sensationalist articles, I guess you can't really do a whole lot about. <laughs> that's all I have on the news side, Kyle. So I'll, I'll hand it over to you. I'm eager to hear the latest STO updates. Yeah, well, we're going to start it off with an update or one that we actually, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it extensively on the podcast before, but stemming from a, a few tweets from, from the CEO of AspenCoin, who also is the, the ownership group behind the Aspen, the St. Regis Aspen Resort in Colorado, he tweeted that their, their token is going to be going live soon for secondary trading. So I figured that I would give a little bit of background on Aspen Coin, what it is, and you know, just give listeners a little bit of an idea of what they can expect from this token when it goes live soon. So the first, the first thing here is that it is a fractionalized ownership deal of a 179-unit luxury hotel at the St. Regis Aspen Resort in Colorado. And so this was launched on the Securitize platform and successfully fundraised last year. So now they've gone through their holdup period and now they're expecting to go live uh, for secondary transfer. I've heard some rumors about that as well, um, that, that some of the exchanges are preparing for that. So Stephanie or Stephane DeBiatz, the president of the ownership group and of uh, in charge of managing the St. Regis deal, the tokenized deal, 
is is announcing that they're ready for secondary trading, but he's been under a little bit of criticism over the last year or two. This deal has has kind of had some smoke around it a little bit, and uh, and so it's something to be interesting that to discuss. The initial raise, which was dubbed a single asset REIT in 2017, sought to raise about $33.5 million at $20 per share with a dividend of $0.29 cents per share. So that was the original structuring of this token. At some point, the offering was postponed. So this was February 2018. They announced it officially. In 2017, they were looking to raise. They, they, they waited a couple months Despite, quote, strong interest among international and high net worth individuals, they had to postpone this deal. And I think at, at originally they were working with Templum as an issuance platform, but at this point they also announced that they were switching to Securitize, so potentially there were some technical infrastructure issues here. And about eight months later, after delaying their offering, in October 2018, the Aspen Times confirmed that in October 2018 the deal did close. It closed with about $18 million in funding for 20% of the ownership of the building, which is a restructured deal selling less than about half of what they were looking to sell it for, but maintaining a property valuation of around $90 million. And so Elevated Returns actually purchased this hotel in 2010 for $70 million and has put about $50 million in renovations on this property. So they, they were successfully able to raise around a $90 million valuation Clearly, that's above the valuation that they had purchased the, the real estate for, but it does seem like it's under the book value of what the $50 million in renovations they've put into it. You'd expect that to be, as you can do the math, about $120 million. So it definitely seems to be trading at a discount based off of what the, the renovations were. And so that's, that's kind of the deal. There's also been a public lawsuit recently uh, about a co-founder of the, the St. Aspen deal who feels that he was frozen out, hasn't been paid what he's owed. There have been some, some certainly some internal things as well, but this is our first real estate project that we will have on secondary exchanges here in the US. We'll keep you updated on which exchanges it's going live on, but it is expected to be live for secondary trading before the end of the year. So we'll be able to see a real estate token live on exchanges and see how investors perceive this single asset REIT security token and, and how that works. So that's wow, super exciting. I know this was one of those high profile deals of 2018. Most of those have already been listed. Uh, so we, we've been able to kind of see how they've been getting some traction or, or lack thereof, I should say. But yeah, you're right. It's the first real estate asset. So I'm curious to see how people will dig into it and what the appetite will be. Uh, presumably, I think it's going to be listed on open finance, but I'm not positive on that one. And uh, I'm curious to see how the markets end up reacting. But of course, when, when it launches, we'll, we'll hear the update from you, Kyle. You'll hear the updates here. And it's also great because it kind of paves the way. It provides that, that framework for future real estate issuers to be able to follow in the same footsteps, see how the entire process went through and through. Once you get onto the exchanges, then you can kind of say that that process has been completed, right? So then it, it allows for other issuers to potentially follow in those footsteps. So congratulations to the teams there. Everyone working on that deal, it seems like everything is going well, despite some turbulence throughout the process. Additionally, we've got one new security token, and this is TreeCoin. And TreeCoin is doing an interesting hybrid token offering. They're looking to launch a dual utility security token offering. This, this is something that we've seen before 
the idea thrown around in terms of fundraising via a security token offering and using the, the private fundraising exemptions for that process while potentially either providing for free or airdropping or, or in a different process of providing those investors with a concurrent utility token that actually benefits the, the system, the underlying system of the platform. And so this is kind of trying to, to mix the two industries. Some people are into utility tokens and what that means. But the reality is you do need to stay compliant when you're fundraising. So TreeCoin plans to purchase about 12,000 hectares of deforest land as the first step in their strategy. And from this land, TreeCoin wants to plant around 10 million eucalyptus trees. And this is actually out of Paraguay. They're looking to benefit the, the country there. And so they want to plant these eucalyptus trees on top of a lot of this deforested land in these areas where, where th this is happening on a rampant level. And so TreeCoin investors will receive their TREE tree security tokens. And the tokens grant the holder rights to a profit sharing generated from actually harvesting these eucalyptus trees. So it's kind of backed by the production of the farms of these trees. And in addition, every tree token, every tree security token that is sold to investors represents one of these eucalyptus trees planted in Paraguay. So it's, it's a one tree to one token ratio, if that makes sense. And so on top of the security token, they actually will be airdropping TXC utility token currency tokens. And so these tokens are meant to serve as a form of currency for the local vendors, presumably because they don't have a great way of, and great medium of exchange. And each tree security token will generate 100 TXC tokens. So for every one security token you buy, you will get 100 utility tokens as well as your one token of the security. And so these TXC tokens will be assigned to the investors at the time of purchase. And so there's no public investment terms yet, but you can check out tree-coin, tree-coin.io for more information on the deal. There's, there's some private investor memorandums and stuff there. So you can, can take a look into that if you're interested in supporting you know, the, the green initiative of planting more trees, of being able to benefit Paraguay and, and everything else that, that's involved with this deal. It's, it's interesting that they've got a great cause. So check it out if you're interested. Definitely a unique one to say the least. Uh, and of course, it always adds a level of complexity when you add that utility token layer. But I, I think what you presented makes sense. Uh, I can gather that if they're going to plant 10 million trees, they're trying to raise $10 million or something around that rate. It seems to be, right? One token per tree. But uh, you know, I guess we'll have to see when we can learn more regardless. Uh, we'll keep our eye on this one. We'll keep our eye on it. And again, good cause. Well, hopefully we wish them the best. Moving on to the market update. We've got uh, a... Not super productive week for, for secondary trading of security tokens, unfortunately. T0 is, uh, is down about 15% this week, sitting at $1.16 per share at a $30 million market cap. You also have Lottery.com, which did have some activity over the week. That's down about 3%, pretty negligible because the volume is so low that any one trade, as we've said, can affect the price and the market cap relatively significantly just because of the lack of depth in the order book. So that's at about 53.5 cents, down 3%, and that's sitting at a market cap of around $22 million. The rest of the open finance coins, unfortunately, had no volume across this week. Those being, as we've said before, Blockchain Capital, Spice VC, Protos, and 22X Fund. And so T0 is our volume leader with about 
2,728 trades, and that, that results in about a $3,000 daily volume today from T0. We're talking about less than $1,000 in volume from Open Finance this week, unfortunately. So T0 still leading the way in terms of trading volume. It's very low. We're waiting on additional assets. Hopefully that will perk this market up. It's also moving into the end of the year, and, and there seems to be less trading volume in the end of the years as opposed to in the new calendar year when everyone's back from the holidays. So we'll see how that progresses over time. But again, I'm not expecting a super rampant end of the year unless it ends up being like crypto, which went crazy right around Christmas in 2017. So who knows? But but uh, that's that's the forecast right now. The total market cap is sitting at around $80 million. $80 billion. $80 million there. Uh, I wish it was $80 billion, but $80 million. And uh, well, hopefully that will increase over time again as T0 can list additional assets that will help their token a lot. No doubt. I uh, don't have much to comment, Kyle, other than, you know, you're right. The more assets and we have tons and tons of news of it coming that get listed, the, the, the more this industry is going to perk up. So... I think with that, we can move into our very topic of more real estate <laughs> assets coming to the, the token space. In fact, all of this because of some recent news. But before we do, a quick update on the upcoming events. We have the Malta Blockchain Summit on November 7th and 8th, which will have a security token track that you can go and learn more about because Malta is one of the leading jurisdictions out of Europe focused on security tokens. And of course, there is also the Security Tokens Realized event, which is in New York on December 5th. I heard that the previous event went great and maybe we'll be able to meet you folks up there in New York. Today's topic is European real estate specifically because we have three articles all talking about European real estate this week of news, starting off with a Japanese investment bank, NBK, based out of Tokyo, actually tokenizing real estate property out of Estonia. Hmm. Not much information about it itself, Kyle, but the idea and the purpose of it is for NBK to be able to offer more diverse options to its investor base, specifically taking advantage of fractionalization in this case, to be able to offer smaller investment minimums to their client base and thus, therefore, easier diversification because you can now participate in more offerings at any one given time. Love this. Makes total sense. The company itself, the investment bank, actually bought a company called Angu Fintech a couple months ago, which that company is based out of Estonia. So, and actually, according to the press release, will be offering the instruments directly through this platform. Hmm. So itself, the, the tokens are going to be EU compliant with the regulation. It's not very clear who the intended audience is per se, but we can expect to see even more deals coming from MBK in the coming months. But of course, the illustration here is that we have a Tokyo-based investment bank tokenizing real estate out of Estonia. Very fascinating. Really great to see. Comes on the heels of also Equisafe, which recently announced uh, also launching 15 more STOs in the next nine months specifically. The company itself plans to have a secondary market and is known for being the first STO issuer out of France. They did a a $6.5 million luxury property, also known as the Anna Mansion. Presumably, a lot of their STOs to come are also going to be in the real estate space, though we know that they are, are also have a broad focus. Finally, Kyle, we also have T0, 
announcing the fact that they are tokenizing $25 million worth of UK real estate, specifically talking about one property. Tzera partnered with Alliance Investments to tokenize the River Plaza, which was reportedly worth over $600 million. And what Tzera will be doing is tokenizing a portion of it, roughly $25 million worth, and listing it on their exchange, which in this case, now we're talking about UK assets being listed on an American market for consumption there. We'll see if that ends up being both in a, in a global format, presumably so, in a Reg D, Reg S format. Needless to say, here we have just three, we, there's three different use cases, Kyle, different investment banks, different exchanges, different issuance platforms, all tokenizing European real estate. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to diversify. I love that first piece that you had mentioned regarding the Japanese investment bank looking to lower the, the investment minimums. Because I think the reality is that for real estate, it's a tremendous opportunity to diversify across multiple jurisdictions to invest in a real hard asset that, that throughout history has been one of the most successful and safe investment opportunities, especially a lot of people feel very safe about putting their money in real estate. But the reality is that... that the options in terms of investing in a fractionalized ownership piece of different real estate properties has always been very difficult, right? REITs are really the only thing that comes to mind. They're very highly regulated and very limited in scope. And so for an investor to be able to buy multiple pieces of property or multiple pieces of you know, land property across many different countries, many different jurisdictions in different cities in different regions, is really a fantastic thing for diversification, to, to properly have a portfolio that exposes you to many different markets while protecting you potentially from only the ones that you know, right? It allows you to stray a little bit away from, from where you're, you're mostly correlated to be able to, to protect yourself. So that's fantastic. It also allows potentially many new opportunities for funds to open, investing in many different real estate opportunities around the world so that you can can properly invest in these things. So it's, 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 I'm psyched. There's a major challenge that's present here, I think, Kyle, which is the fact that it's difficult to access real estate opportunities outside of your home country. To be able to go and get access to a specific investment in Estonia as a real estate property or in France or the student housing project that we reported on out of the UK. I think that was being done by Smartland. It was. There was a, a Luxembourg property by Tokeny, Fundament Group obviously partnering with Bowens. So the, the previously before, I don't think that it was easy to access these types of opportunities. Tokenization obviously dramatically eases that access. And therefore, like you said, I think there's a great case for why even American investors would want to even own real estate outside of the U.S. itself, right? And so I think Europe being bullish on the fact that they have a great premium real estate asset class, the fact that maybe before it was even more difficult possibly, I can't say, to access real estate in, the, in Europe than it was per se maybe the U.S., uh, I think all of these matters come into why we're seeing such a proliferation around European real estate being tokenized. And you're seeing with, with tourism, it seems that, that every one of these cities in Europe is just blowing up because of tourism. And, and that, that certainly over the last few decades has become something that's, that's 
absolutely been exponential for a lot of these smaller cities that that it allows for access into investing in some of these places. And, 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 and as you said, it just it provides more access for investors to be able to participate in places that they may not have the expertise or the access to be able to find those deals. And it, it's great for also for the, the real estate owners themselves to be able to develop properties, to be able to to remove some of their liability, to be able to raise and recapitalize on some of their things earlier only allows for more real estate development and, and more progress moving forward. And let's just kind of review these different scenarios, right, Kyle? This is truly an example of why this is a global phenomenon. The first example, we have a Japanese investment bank underwriting a deal out of Estonia. Another example, we have a UK-based uh, group doing a deal with a U.S. market like T0. We have the local kind of focus on saying, look, you know, we have real estate out of France or out of Luxembourg or wherever that needs to, to break away and get attention from either retail investors or simply more exposure to more institutions. So we have multiple trends converging here. I think it's really exciting to see that this is one of the very first use cases of tokenization. We've always called it that real estate would be one of the first use cases. I just think it's interesting to see, although the St. Regis is about to get listed, that there seems to be quite a bit of active traction out of Europe. Outside the U.S., it does seem like there's a ton of properties coming from there. It will be interesting to see if, if, the, if it's, the difference is the demand is there for European deals or, or if there are just more properties available. Both would be fantastic. I think that the reality is that, that real estate from all around the world will be, will be listed and exchanged. And it's, it's a fascinating sample to consider that we have three different use cases, really, from three different types of real estate deals just in the last week. And I think it's great to show that there's, there's so many use cases for this. It's not just one specific opportunity that seems to work and that they're trying to replicate it over and over and over. No, we're talking about multiple jurisdictions, multiple countries working together to list deals for different types of investors with different types of investment propositions. And so that's why I really think it's fantastic. With that, I, I think we can close today's show. Thank you everyone for listening. Please join us again and subscribe and follow us for, I believe, you know, another six to, to eight episodes remaining in the year. Mm-hmm. We have all of our news posted on stomarket.com slash news. That's what we use as our resources to find all of our links. We submit everything there. It's also in the description. So check it out. Engage with us. We, we have a lot of great conversations with people on Twitter or via LinkedIn. So check that out. We post thought articles. Herwig just posted an article today on Medium. So if you're interested in checking that out, definitely go find him there. He posted it on LinkedIn as well. So a lot of great content coming out. And uh, feel free to, to share any articles you have with us for the next episode. Please reach out on Twitter. Reach out on LinkedIn. And as always, thanks for listening.